0: Please turn with me to First John Four, Verses Seven and Eight. First John Four, Verses Seven and Eight. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. I need to lose some weight. I can't fit through the little holes that you cut out for me here. Um, just a few thoughts before we have our communion uh, today. I've been thinking about this, and I wanted to just talk to you from my heart again, as I did last week. This is an unusual thing, two weeks in a row. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, surprises me. I called my granddaughter's father. No, my yeah, my granddaughter, that'd be my son I called. And um and I said, "Son, I think I want your daughter to come over with me next weekend." She's 9 years old and uh she and I are kind of special, we're kind of knit together at heart. And I wanted to come over and I wanted to just to be here at the coast. He says, "Dad, that's a long ways away." "Well, I'll bring her." And so We'll see what happens. I might even be here three weeks in a row, but I won't be here for church. I'll have to kind of come over for after church because I'm in Willits. Okay, I want you to take a look at that verse that uh, Dean read to us again. Do you have your Bibles open? Let's look at it real carefully. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. And I just want to say a few words. Well, maybe more than a few words. Uh, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now those words are powerful. And I think there is an abbreviation of words there, a kind of a condensation where huge thoughts are tucked into just a short little sentence. Uh, Say it one more time. Let us love one another, for love is from God. The ability that we have to find the greatest meaning and satisfaction is in love, and it comes from God. God is not only the author of love, He is the demonstrator of love. Would you agree to that? He sets the, he sets the model. And He teaches us about love in the way He has chosen to love us. Were we worthy of that love? Trick question, maybe? Were we worth it? answer is no. In our view, and in probably legal views, the answer is no. But in God's view, absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. He is the one that set the value. And it was worth everything he had. Now, we don't feel that way about ourselves, but apparently he does. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And so, because He has set such a high value on us that it was worth any price to have us back, to have us close to Him, we should do the same for one another. We have to see value in others that is very hard to find in order to love like that. Isn't that true? And so, this is a powerful verse, and it's followed. The one who does not love does not know God. I have found myself saying things and thinking things about other people that I don't think match what God would say or think about those people. When I think about this, that he loved me so much he was willing to die... It's a real stretch for me to think of others that highly. To value them even more than I value my own life because that's what Jesus did, right? Valued us more than his own life. That's setting a very, very high standard. Now, I'm talking to a, a church family that I love. This is a great church. I love this church. It brings back so many memories because some of you are almost as old as I am. You're not laughing. That was a joke. (laughs) You think I'm really old, don't you? (laughs) Anyway. uh, uh, You know, and and this is a a great church, but we are a part of of a church family that has really troubles with love. Do you know why? Love casts out fear. The root of fear is selfishness. And selfishness doesn't have to be such a horrible thing, although it is. It's just that when we look inside ourselves, did God look inside himself to see if if um, uh, he should actually go ahead with this, did he count the cost to himself? He just paid it. He just paid it. And inside of ourselves, there is so much stuff that gets in the way. It's called fear. And we're afraid of maybe not being accepted by God. We're afraid of what other people fear. Think about us. And so we fall into fear. And fear casts out love. The greatest demonstration of fear in Seventh day Adventism is through our doctrines. Let me tell you what what I mean by that, because that's pretty challenging. Um, Have you ever been around a Seventh day Adventist church and looked at the license plate borders? You will find a border that's very commonly used in Seventh day Adventists. The seventh day is. And that is kind of used as kind of like a definition of Adventism. Seventh day is the Sabbath. And everybody ought to know the seventh day is the Sabbath. Is that the most important message we can give? Are you with me now? Is that the most important thing we can say? I think um, there is a more important message we could give. God loves you. <laughs> that is the most important thing we can say. It, and sometimes our doctrines, and the fact that maybe it's because we're so different in the world in so many ways, our doctrines kind of get in the way of our loving people instead of giving messages of love we give doctrinal messages we tell them about whatever it may be that we think they need to know thinking that they're ready to hear that and the only way that people can ever hear anything is if fear is out of the way and love has been, it's been replaced by love it's the only time anybody can hear anything And we need to be better at that. We're going to partake in a table in just a few moments. Now, I wanted to explain a little bit more what I'm I'm talking about. I love our doctrines, but I do believe we haven't learned how to say how they are expressions of love. So I'm going to take the one I talked about, the Sabbath, (laughs) and I'm going to tell you what the Sabbath, I think, is really all about. How it's a great expression of love. And that's, if that's the reason why the Sabbath is so great. It's not because we can prove other people wrong and prove ourselves right. What makes a Sabbath important is because of its love. Okay, shall we try it? What day of the week is the Sabbath? When's it start? Friday night, when? Ghost tell? Pardon me? Chapter 15, verse 25? No, chapter 25. It said they were in preparation for the Sabbath. Yeah? Yeah, and, and you, let me look at that, see what you're talking about. Luke 15, verse 20, 25, verse 15, I think is what you chapter said, right? Verse, well, there's no t- chapter 25 in Luke, it ends with 24. I'm totally wrong. <laughs> but it was. It says, um, In 24 1, but on the first day of the week, early dawn, they came from the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And then, probably, it's in the earlier chapter, preparation for the Sabbath. They were very, very moved about needing to prepare the body before the Sabbath came. Right. So the Sabbath was not Friday night. The Sabbath is Saturday, period. Not Friday night. You just read it yourself, sir. Oh first day of the week. The Bible in, in, in Genesis, we need to look at this a little bit more carefully. Uh, do you mind if we come back to that and look at that more carefully maybe on a one-on-one? Because I. I'll just be quiet. Like, no, no, stay with it. But what, what it is is that I need to get the other point across and then we can talk about this. The other point was that the Sabbath is a, uh, Friday is a preparation day for the Sabbath. It starts at uh, sundown on Friday and goes through sundown Saturday night. Now, is that what Sabbath is all about? What is the Sabbath all about? Yeah. Let me just give you a couple of ideas, and I'm going to go to my remote now so I can move a little bit. I hope we've got it turned on. Stay with this one then. All right. I'm going to go to the remote. Is it on? Okay, very good. It's on now? Good. You can hear me. Okay. In Genesis chapter 2, it says that God did certain things to the Sabbath. Do you remember what he did? Blessed. Sanctified. Rested. Those are the three things he did. Let me take it back to creation. God had made a perfect home. By Friday night, he was all done. Except for the Sabbath. A perfect home. Created everything anticipated all of our needs. In fact, he created us with all of the visual ability and the senses, etc., that he could satisfy perfectly in his creation. So the creation and us were perfectly matched towards each other. Did we have to work for any of that? And so when Sabbath came, God had just created Adam and Eve. He had breathed into their nostrils the breath of life, and he says, this is your home. Did they have to do anything? Did they have to labor? Was it difficult? They just had to train the vines and things like that. But there wasn't, was there anything that was going to hurt and destroy? Everything was designed for them. And so the Sabbath was God's time to do what? To come down and be with them on the Sabbath day. Sabbath was made for man. And so they were the object. And it was God's way of coming down and just thrilling with His creation, just being with Him. So what does the Sabbath tell us already? He thinks everything through ahead of time, completely plans for our happiness. Nothing could make us more happy. He's already done it all. We don't have to do anything. It is a gift. The Sabbath is just simply there to thrill in the gift with the giver. That's what the Sabbath is all about. Now, is the Sabbath then more about a law or is it more about something else? Ah, I like the relationship thing. And it's also to remind them that God takes care of everything, right? So when you get further down through history and you get to these Sabbath wars, and even when I was younger, some of the churches would get into these uh, Sunday wars, Sunday Sabbath wars, and they would make legalists out of Seventh-day Adventists. That was only valid if we had the Jewish concept of Sabbath, which is a thou shalt not, all the things you shouldn't do. That's not God's concept of the Sabbath. That's what the Pharisees made out of the Sabbath. But if God gives everything and provides for everything on the Sabbath, the Sabbath is really all about grace. Isn't it not? Are you with me on this? We don't do anything at all. Which way does it come? It comes to us. From God to us. And so the Sabbath is a sign of what God does for us. It is the premier sign of all time to celebrate the fact that God has given us all kinds of blessings. That's what it's all about. What other kind of blessing did God give us that the Sabbath is a type of? Redemption. That's another type of a Sabbath. And so in, in the case of this situation, in the redemption... God just takes care of all of our sins. Do we have to pay the price? He does, right? And so in both of the examples of the Sabbath that we find in the Bible, honoring creation and honoring the redemption, it is a symbol of grace, how God comes in and makes the total difference. So, whatever we say about the Sabbath, we must be very careful to remind people about the Lord of the Sabbath who does so many special things for us. It's not about a law that has to be kept in all this kind of a detail. It's about a lawgiver who gives so much to us. That's what it's all about. And so God said he blessed it. What does the word blessing mean? Pardon me, I didn't quite hear it. More than good. You know, my favorite example of that is you go down the roadways in Egypt and here is the neighbor of Potiphar's crops and they're this high. And as soon as he takes one more step, he's next to the field of Potiphar. And the Lord said he blessed Potiphar because of Joseph. And so you look at the crops and suddenly they're this tall or maybe even higher. There's no bugs. <laughs> it's perfect. And you look and you wonder, well, wait, what's same water, same sunshine, same land, everything, but what's the difference? It's the blessing of God. And it makes the whole difference. And so the Sabbath was made for man, so who gets the blessing? And so what would you expect to see in people who worship the Sabbath? What would it show up in? How would it show up? You would expect to find people that have more evidence of the fruit of the spirit, perhaps in their lives. You would find more happiness and more joy. You would probably find individuals who have a deeper understanding of God's love. Pardon me. They sing in the shower. That was in three ages. <laughs> yeah. <it> what? <was. laughs> okay. They have to sing in the shower. So blessing. <laughs> okay. Saturday is the Sabbath. Right. Why, why don't they get it? Uh, that was asked me not that long ago, and the question is, and I think the answer is, is that the meaning of the Sabbath has been sabotaged by the Jews, and people are reacting to that definition. And nobody has told them another definition yet. It's clearly written. It's in uh-huh. black and white. Yep. So, we need to be more on the announcing side of this. We need to declare declare this. Bless the Sabbath, what else did he do? What does sanctify mean? Alright, when things were sanctified, you took a normal piece of furniture and you take it from a tent and you move it into God's tent, the tabernacle, it immediately became sanctified. What does that mean? That means that it's God's peace. He inhabits it. Alright? So when God inhabits something, including human beings, like He sanctified the priest, normal human beings, sanctified, God in his, was inhabiting them, they are to be regarded with special regard. Not because of themselves, but because of what? God was in them. So, God blessed it, He sanctified Therefore, when the Sabbath comes about every week, what is God supposed to be doing inside of us? Blessing and doing what else? Sanctifying. When he came down and spent the Sabbath with Adam and Eve in the garden, what was he doing? Sanctifying them. He was inhabiting them. And all week long, when he left Saturday night, and they were all six days without Him until the next Sabbath, they had the memory and the joy of what that was like to be inhabited, tented with the Lord. It was a transformational experience. Now, what I'm trying to say is this. I'm not sure. I just want to really want to make this out. Of it. We have to know the Lord, not just know about Him. The Sabbath is the time where God has set aside primarily for us to know Him, experience Him, and have Him come into our lives. And people will be able to see the difference from that. And that's a gift of grace. And so you would expect... Say again. So we spend the rest of the week experiencing joy Yeah, the residual is pretty powerful. And the anticipation of another Sabbath coming is pretty exciting. And so, let's just summarize here real quickly what we're, where we're going. Should people be able to see the difference in Seventh-day Adventists? If they're being blessed and if they're being sanctified. What kind of a difference? Pardon me? Primarily love. That this is the greatest expression. God is Love. And if God is inhabiting the Sabbath with us, if He comes into our lives, the greatest transforming effect will be the experience of love by this kind of a God who will indeed change the way we re- relate to everybody else. That's what Sabbath's all about. So when we talk about the Sabbath, I hope, and this is true for all the doctrines, I hope that maybe some of our conversation will move more and more into how transforming sabbath can be because it's a time spent with god and how we come out of it blessed sanctified and changed what's the third thing that happened on the sabbath what does that mean you don't have to work thank you yeah it's not just it's not just you don't have to work they didn't have to fear enemies God was taking care of that. They can just totally relax. God was taking care of all the things that would threaten and destroy. Just like the 40 years in the wilderness, He put a safety around them all. And God does that for all of His people. And so on the Sabbath day, God just simply says, I want you to know how wonderful your day, your life is going to be if you'll give me this day. I'm going to change you I'm going to change you from the inside out. You're going to become more like me. We're going to become one. And it's because of not so much that we get our head in a book and study, study, study. (laughs) You know, so that we can answer all the questions. It's more that we get ourselves into God and we are transformed through the knowledge of Him. Mm -hmm. Sabbath is about an experience with God. And every one of our doctrines is about an experience with God and we have to somehow take everything we're doing and turn it more to the area of experience we have to know god knowing doctrine doesn't really transform the heart knowing god will transform the heart and then everything comes out of that you know <laughs> that's what i'm i'm on a that's what i'm concerned about that's what i am promoting That's what I think is so important to have, the experience with God, more important than anything else. There were a lot of people that knew about the Sabbath. They were called Pharisees. And Jesus said to them and to people like them, I never knew you. Turn away. We have to have the experience of God in our life. Every teaching must bring us closer to that. So, if you figure that God wants to tell you something and teach you something, you must understand that underneath all of that is this need of God that just like when he came to visit Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it was for one purpose, not to make them theologians, (laughs) but to make them part of his family. Because once that happens, all the rest falls in place. Now we're going to eat at the table here in just a few moments. And Jesus has invited us to experience what He went through with His disciples to wash each other's feet. You know, we have to love one another or we will not know God. And then we have to come back from that experience and we're going to partake of the broken bread and the grape juice. What do those two things represent? the body and blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out. I fully expect that my life is going to be broken. I fully expect that my life is going to be poured out. But I, you know what I delight in in that? Not the the horribleness of that, but I delight in the fact that in experiencing that, I am becoming acquainted with the immeasurable love of Jesus for me. And that is the most important thing. And so this is a, a service that reminds us of what I've been trying to say this morning. I invite everybody uh, to participate. I invite the children to join with their parents and talk. That's what God said to Abraham they needed to do. Explain these things. Share these things with them. Experiencing them. Very important. Make, help your children to understand Tell them what it means. All of that kind of thing. And then um, we're going to separate into the... First, we're going to separate into the foot washing. I think the ladies are going to go way back into the far, far away youth room. And the men are going to go over to the social hall. And I want to tell you right now that both of those rooms are warm. So you can go over there and then you'll be back and then we'll partake of the Lord's Supper. May God bless us in this service that we might experience something of Him in our lives.